Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Up in the Clouds. Today's episode is going to be focusing on my journey with anxiety, panic attacks, depression, and post-traumatic stress. (laughs) So um, I kind of want to do like what I did in the last episode where I started off with some like stats and stuff. Um... So anxiety is the most common mental illness. It affects 40 million adults ages 18 or older, and only 36.9% receive treatment. So that's a pretty low number, in my opinion. So there's so many people out there who are struggling with this, who don't get any sort of treatment, and it's a really hard mental illness to manage um it can affect your personal relationships like friendships family relationships with a significant other it can affect work it can affect school it can affect everything so for 36.9 percent only to receive treatment i feel like that's pretty pretty low um Six million people suffer from panic attack disorder. 7.7 million suffer from post-traumatic stress. So, I think I'm going to do like one by one and then they kind of all tie together anyway. So, when I took the time to really think about where my anxiety really started, I always assumed it started after my relationship my one that I talked about in the last episode, my first relationship, but when I really, excuse me, was thinking about it and kind of, you know, going through this journey of repressing these memories from not only childhood, but from high school, I've kind of always had anxiety when I, even like back to when I was younger, I just, a specific memory that kind of pops up when I think about where it started was, you know, being in elementary school and you had to do like the, everyone had to read like a paragraph around the room, like where you're in your rows, like through your rows, you'd have to read. And I would count how many people were before me. And then I would count the paragraphs and read the paragraph over and over and over and over and over in my head until it sounded perfectly so that it was when it was my turn I wouldn't sound stupid um I would look for words I couldn't pronounce so I would make sure I would say those words like a million times so I would pronounce them perfectly and like I said so when it would get to my turn I wouldn't mess up I wouldn't say anything dumb I wouldn't you know embarrass myself which was my biggest worry all the time um So that kind of is where, you know, really thinking about it, um, anxiety kind of roots back to me being younger. I would never want to order at a restaurant and I still get weird about it. I will still like read what I'm going to order like a million times in my head. So when I'm saying it to this waitress or waiter, I don't sound dumb. I still do it to this day. But yeah, I think I was... I don't even know how old, maybe 13 until my parents finally, like my mom specifically, started to just force me to order my own food. 
just because it was like I'm I should be ordering my own food I shouldn't be afraid to order my own food so yeah um but when I was in therapy during high school like I had mentioned um was when I was fully diagnosed with anxiety so I was a sophomore in high school um which kind of relates to the panic attacks which is when I was the first panic attack I ever had was from my relationship we had gotten a big fight and I just remember being so upset and so afraid that he was gonna leave me to the point where like I could not breathe like physically breathe ever been in a wave pool and you get stuck under a wave it was just like going under a wave like over and over I couldn't catch my breath I couldn't feel I was I truly was like oh my god like I'm having a heart attack that's what it feels like and that first time I ever had it was like one of our first like really big fights um I haven't had one in like since last summer I think um so a year and a half so that's really amazing um I mean there was a point in my life where I couldn't even go to Walmart without having a panic attack or I couldn't go to class without having a panic attack or basically anywhere say a year and a half is definitely a long we came a long way <laughs> um, I don't take medication for my anxiety um, when I was in my second relationship my, I consider like relationships that were long term so my first relationship that was abusive it was like two and a half years and then my second real relationship was on like a year solid and then like on and off for two after that and that's when I started taking medication was around my second relationship which was my freshman year of college I started college when I was 19 almost 20 so January I was 19, but April I turned 20, if that makes, can I give you an idea? And I started taking medication, and they put me on um, Zoloft for just my overall anxiety, and then Xanax for anxiety attacks. So dumb to put a 19-year-old on Xanax in college. I just don't really know what the thought process I don't think there was I just think they were like here you go good luck don't mix with alcohol but you know this bitch is going to like what I had a really bad reaction to the Zoloft so the first time I took it it was like fine but I really didn't take it very long because I realized how awesome the Xanax was at making me feel nothing and growing up your entire life being an empath and feeling everything and everything that everyone else is feeling around you to not feel anything was 
euphoric. I got it. I was obsessed. I was like, this is amazing. And right after I started, started taking these meds was when me and my second relationship like ended things. So I was in a very dark place. I was like, yes, this makes me feel nothing. Fuck this other med. This med doesn't make like do shit. I didn't feel like my sertraline was doing anything, but I didn't take it long enough. I don't think for it to build up because now working as a pharmacy tech, it actually takes like three to four weeks for it to really like do anything. Whereas Xanax is pretty like instant. So I just said fuck it to that stuff and started taking the Xanax and. When I started the sertraline the second time around, a few months later, and I was actually taking it regularly, I actually had a really bad reaction to it called serotonin syndrome, which basically your body kind of mimics like flu-like symptoms, and it almost feels like you get these like headaches or these migraines, and you feel these like zaps in your brain like it literally feels like someone's electrocuting your brain and it would happen at the weirdest times like I would be at work and I would like happen to look up at the like we have really fluorescent lights at work and I would have to like look up at the light and I would just like feel like the light was like going in my brain and then I would get these horrible horrible headaches and I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep food had no taste it was just bland so I didn't even want to eat because it was just gross and then when I was kind of explaining to my pharmacist at the time like what I had been experiencing he told me that it was serotonin syndrome and to slowly stop taking it because you can't just like cut when you've been taking it for a decent amount of time you can't just like stop taking it you have to like wean yourself off of it so he you know helped me wean off of it and was like yeah you can't take this certain classification of antidepressants there's like different classifications and the certain one that my brain was sensitive to was called an SSRI which is majority of the meds that they put people on for depression or anxiety it's the major like the major class of you know anxiety meds depression meds whatever so now and then I had a really so back backtrack really bad issue with Xanax because I, you know, was in a bad place. I just didn't want to feel anything. And it was amazing. And I would drink and I would just feel nothing. I would just feel so free and happy. But I really wasn't happy. It was like fake happy. And I realized I had a problem with it when I was at one of the bars one night and I was, you know, very blacked out from which that's what happens you, you don't even need to take that much and you'll completely black out if you drink and my ex-boyfriend apparently I don't remember this at all this is from his you know what he had told me I still to this day don't remember and don't know like it will just never come back there's a good like six months of my life that I don't remember from um he said he came up to me and I apparently looked at him like I had no idea who he was and I was like don't fucking talk to me like who the fuck are you 
And that's another thing. Xanax will make you very aggressive. At least that was my experience. I was very aggressive on it. And he said I, like, ran away from him. And, I mean, you know, having a relationship with somebody for that long and not being able to recognize them because you're that, you know, blacked out, that's when I was like, okay, yeah, I have a problem. And, you know, at the time I was living with two girls and one of her boyfriends had an issue with it too, but his was way more extreme than mine. So I obviously saw that, how, you know, he was at a different point with it than I was. And I was like, oh, like that's going to be me. You know, it was like a wake-up call. It was like, oh, I didn't recognize my ex-boyfriend. This is in front of me. Oh, this is what it's going to turn into. Like, I need to – so I stopped. I didn't take it probably like a good, like, five months. And then I think – yeah, this was the last – yep, the last time I ever took it was a few months later. We had all – gone out and there had been some things that had happened a few months before that I will get into that you know when I would drink I would get very upset and I was just you know I went into the night in a very dark place and I got very very drunk and the boy that I was talking to at the time spent the night you know, hanging out with another girl, like, right in front of me, and just didn't even talk to me, and we were, like, dating, so it was, like, more, like, he was, like, dancing with her, and, like, looking at me, like, yeah, I don't know, it was just, like, he knew, how I felt about this girl they were like friends but I like knew like that's what sucks about being like an intuitively like tuned person is that you know things even if they don't know that you know or they might not even know themselves like you just know things I mean obviously anxiety can fuck with like your gut feelings sometimes But majority of the time, your gut feeling is right. And I knew there was, like, always something weird between them. And come to find out, like, a few months later, I was completely right. And they were banging the entire time. So, (laughs) yeah, I know things. Like, behind my back. Like, we were basically dating and he was banging his girl best friend, like, that whole time. And I got really upset. And I was, like I said, very, very drunk. And... I was, you know, dealing with some other things and then that was just kind of like the icing on the cake. Like a lot of things had been going on in my personal life and then I had to watch that happen in front of me and I just felt worthless and I felt the lowest I have felt, you know, in so long. And so I went home and I had like seven, I think, just chilling in the bottle that I, you know, stopped taking and I took them all. And I was chasing them with alcohol, just downing them, wanting, knowing, hoping that it would kill me. That was 
probably one of the lowest points I'd ever been in my life. Like even, you know, since high school. A lowest point that I had been in my life since high school. And yeah, um, thankfully I was texting people and clearly making no sense when I read the text when I finally like blacked in to like look at my phone <clears throat> they made absolutely no sense it was it was just characters not even words and I don't even remember who but someone had called my roommate at the time and was like are you home I'm texting Courtney. She's making no sense. She can't even speak letter like words. It's just gibberish. And she came in my room to me just chilling with a bottle in my hand, like the alcohol bottle. And I was she's like, "What's up?" And I was like, "What's up?" Like it was just like she knew that it, something wasn't right. And to be honest, I don't even remember like what was even said because I feel like at that point it kind of all like was hitting because I I just remember her walking into the room and me being like what like what are you doing in here because like I said it made me very aggressive and that's kind of like the last thing I remember and then I woke up like a day later day and a half because that was like a Thursday night I think and then I don't remember really waking up until the ne- so a day, like the next day. Maybe the next, like the following morning. So like a day, I don't even know. <clears throat> All I know is I woke up and an, I, an entire day had been gone for sure. Like there was a whole day I just don't remember. It was just like I was off and on sleeping. I don't know if I was like fully sleeping for that time, but I just remember waking up and looking at my phone and being like it's not Thursday anymore it's like it was like Saturday I'm pretty sure and I was like oh my god so yeah that was yeah that was the last time and I'm very proud of myself because I mean it's kind of a trigger when I wanted to drink was to take it so you know you know being in college and everybody always drinking it was hard to, like, not want to do it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wanted to do it, but I didn't. I stopped for some reason after that. And, yeah, there's not that many people that know that story. So, thank God we got away from Xanax because that shit's scary as hell. So, the post-traumatic stress. I think my first, you know, the abusive relationship was very traumatic but the first real traumatic event in my life was probably, no, it was. <laughs> my parents' divorce. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight. I was in third grade. So whatever age you are when you're in third grade. But before they got divorced, I mean, they fought. Like, it wasn't just, like, bickering, like, fighting. Like, I remember my brother and I like listening to the door like with our ear to the door like hearing what they were fighting about and I don't even remember specifics I just remember the yelling and the sound of things being thrown or 
whatever but leading up to the divorce it was really just awful it was like eggshells all the time anything would trigger them it's very fight of power between them and then they did it they just finally were like this is it at first they were like oh it's just gonna be a separation we'll work it out we just need some time apart and then it wasn't though I think they just said that I don't know if they actually truly believe that or they just said that to make for us like the children and then my mom got into some trouble after they got divorced so they had split I don't know if it was necessarily joint custody or I think it was but My mom had gotten into some trouble and she was like on an occupational license and I don't know this true story if it was the court said that she couldn't see us or if it was my dad because she got in trouble like I will never really know and I don't really it's not that I don't care to ask it's just not oh mom yeah you I mean how do you really bring that up without bringing it all up you know and I just remember I didn't see her for a very long time me and my brother didn't see her and my dad telling us that she didn't love us she left us she didn't care about us that she was on to her new life and we never mattered to her like instilling that and you know being so young you believe a lot of the things that your parents tell you so and being so vulnerable too like I was always trying to get my parents attention I was always trying to get them to love me I was I always would try so hard to feel loved because they didn't make me feel loved and you know when the one parent my dad was worse than my mom my mom was like when we were younger I feel like she was not nearly like she is completely different now than she was when I was younger like she was not as affectionate when I was younger like she is now and he was not affectionate at all he's still not even um to my younger siblings my younger sisters he is not affectionate at all so being stuck with the one parent who's the most the least affectionate you know and they're telling you that the one that you thought loved you more doesn't love you doesn't care about you left you that was heartbreaking and he moved on within months like he had a new woman living with us not even like eight months later I don't even know like I think the divorce takes like nine months to be finalized and I'm pretty sure she was moved in before the divorce was even finalized but like I said I was in fourth grade so like third grade when they got divorced fourth grade when he was like with a new woman so I don't necessarily remember everything and it's I keep looking to the sky because I'm re- I'm digging out all these memories that I don't think about and I don't like to think about. So, you know, so that's kind of where 
like a first like traumatic event from post-traumatic stress and I feel like it affects my used to doesn't anymore used to affect my relationships because I'd always you know want I would date boys that I necessarily wasn't even I don't want to oh, it sounds really bad like I would find boys that liked me more than I liked them because I liked that feeling of being loved in a way that and loving it sounds so toxic oh my god I hate saying this you know I would find that where they would like me more so I felt in control so I felt in control of the love and not necessarily in control of them but in control of the love in a way that I didn't have growing up like I was always fighting for attention and I would find people that I wouldn't have to fight for their attention but they didn't you know they didn't spark my soul they didn't set it on fire they didn't you know and I've come to realize that now that it's worth waiting for that person that does set your soul on fire, you know? Um, But yeah, so I want to have a whole episode about my evolution with relationships because I feel like I've come so far than the person that I was even a few years ago. So maybe... Maybe the next one. Maybe relationship four. I have like eight episodes written out, but I don't necessarily have them in an order that I want. So maybe that'll be the next one. So that was kind of like my first experience with anything really like traumatic and bringing like post-traumatic, you know, into my life because it affects me still now and affects me, you know, in other ways now. Um, Obviously an abusive ex that was pretty, you know, traumatic and pretty brought on a lot of like stress and triggers and I still get triggered to this day like I'm very I get very like like if I see my friends and relationships that I feel are controlling or abusive I get very defensive and very triggered (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like that's just a reaction, you know. And obviously being bullied is very traumatic and, you know, being on eggshells and just that feeling of, you know, always want to impress people you know don't like you and I'm so glad I'm just not that person now anymore. Um, The third really post-traumatic, like, you know, when I actually got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress was after um my roommate had been murdered yeah um that happened in January of 2017 I don't want to talk about it a lot right now because I want to have an entire episode because she deserves an entire episode and just because I am not in that place yet where I am necessarily ready to heal I don't really know if I ever will be but obviously like talking about this is a healing experience for me and that's just not something I'm ready 
to really go into, but she like law I like I'll give a very little story for the you know if you're watching this and you don't know my roommate went to Mexico on winter break and she never came back she was murdered um I'll go into more details when I get to her episode but it was very very traumatic and you know having that empty room and just like walking by that every day and you know that person like that's your person like your number one person just be taken from you and not only just taken from you in general but taken from you in such a horrible way is still very very hard for me to deal with to this day and it's been still it's still very real like it's still very like her case is still open so it's I don't necessarily know you know when I don't know when it'll feel real like it feels obviously it feels real in like certain aspects you know but in some ways it doesn't at the same time it's very weird like, a lot of things have happened since that had happened. But I also can remember it like it was yesterday, like, being with her and, you know? I don't know. Um. So, yeah, that was kind of, like, when I, you know, when I went to therapy. Um, when I was having those really bad panic attacks and I couldn't go to class, I couldn't go to work. And a lot of it was related to that and feeling unsafe everywhere I went I and that was all from like the stress of like what had happened to her just you know just feeling so unsafe everywhere I felt unsafe in Walmart I felt unsafe walking to class I felt unsafe in class I felt unsafe at work I felt I didn't feel safe anywhere And that's, it was just like triggering these panic attacks and this anxiety, this overwhelming anxiety. And yeah, I started going to therapy and that's when I was like really officially diagnosed with post-traumatic stress. So now that we got the backstory, that was a lot of unloading and a lot of information. So, you know, I do apologize if any of this is triggering to other people or, you know, anything like I you know I just I don't know um how I'm doing today like I said earlier I haven't had a panic attack in like a year and a half so I would say that's pretty amazing um my depression only really gets bad like in this weird um time that goes from summer to well fall makes me really happy so I would say like fall to winter Um, I get really, it's a very hard time for me because I love being outside and I love like going on walks and runs and just being in nature, like swimming and you can't really do that in the winter in Wisconsin. And so I get really sad because I can't kind of like hire my vibration again and reconnect in nature and it's not fun to be outside. It's so cold and you need to move somewhere that either the winters aren't that bad or they don't have winters at all because that's really the only thing that kind of triggers my depression is that um 
obviously I haven't, you know, like a few months ago, I was in a really dark place in mentally in my head. I was very suicidal and that was brought on by like a fight I had with my dad and I was just in a very dark place for a very, you know, a hot minute and I got to this place where I was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore and you know, I turned it around. Long story short, I started on this spiritual awakening, this journey brought on by things that, you know, and I've really, you know, I've met, I start, I meditate, I do like daily like stretches and like listen to like healing frequencies and feeling hurts, music, healing, like manifestation hurts, like love hurts, like listen to different types of hurts music and I fall asleep to it and like I said, I've been meditating and I'm just, wow, like hello to my, like hello to my past, goodbye, like so good and I love it, like I love the way I feel, you know, doing this is hard it's still very hard because I'm bringing up things I'm thinking about things I'm bringing up all these past emotions to try to heal that I've repressed for so long and not healed from for so long that I definitely have weak moments I had a really weak moment the other weekend brought on by drinking and I came home and just cried for no reason and it was just my ego messing with me because I know that I'm not that girl anymore but my ego doesn't want to let that like my bad past doesn't want to let that go so it's like festering these negative energies back into my life that I'm trying so hard to heal from and push away and it's you know it's still a fight to this day I am doing so good but I still have moments of weakness you know I still have times where I'm like what am I doing you know I just graduated I don't necessarily know what I want to do now and I'm just kind of finding myself but meditating has made such a difference in my life and being on this journey and you know really it all kind of started after talking to a medium I went to a medium to talk about to talk to Abby that's my best friend um and that's kind of where my spiritual journey began like I you know a lot of things were happening to me from her and I was getting a lot from her like all the time and that's where I kind of got really into like spirituality stuff and like angels and angel numbers like I was seeing certain numbers all the time and I you know got this book from the medium lady that I used to go to and it was all about angel numbers and I got really into it and then I stopped for a while and then 
something happened along my journey and I found this confidence in myself that I, you know, never had before and it was kind of awesome. It's incredible. It's an amazing feeling to be here from where I was even six months ago, you know? Six months ago, I would drive my car and think of all these different ways that I could crash my car and that I would be dead. Like, that's so dark and scary and I'm so sorry. Like, I am saying this to heal from it, you know, and, you know, putting out my story to help other people. I I hope that it does, you know. So, honestly, if you're, you know, my biggest thing is if you don't want to take medications and you want to kind of heal yourself from within, I highly, highly recommend getting into meditating and the law of attraction and manifesting and just kind of reading about that stuff and like even astrology and just anything spiritual because that, you know, that stuff is so healing and it hires your vibration and I, you know, the vibration that you set is the vibration you bring and I'm to this point where I'm vibrating so high that I'm my energy is rejecting people that I used to be so close with because they just have energy that doesn't clash with mine and they're so negative and so, you know, I just don't vibrate with them anymore. Like, I feel like I have a very small circle. Like, I am, like, I feel like I know a lot, like, not a lot of people, but I feel like I know a good amount of people, but when it comes to, like, the people that I'm closest to, I feel like that number is very small, and I feel like that's okay, because, sadly, like, a not a lot of people are good, and that's the one thing I've been gifted with, is to be able to tell that, you know, I sometimes get blinded, like, I was very blinded for a few months, in this relationship that I was in, you know, he dimmed my light so much, and I didn't even realize it, he just made me so unconfident, I always felt like I was trying to impress him and compete for him, and, you know, to meet people now that I don't have to impress, even when it comes to being friends, and I realized that that's the people you want to be around. Friendships, relationships, people you don't always have to constantly impress. And people that want to control you or change you or whatever. He, you know, wasn't into the same music I was into. He didn't like certain things, you know, that I would do and would always be like, oh, I want to change that. I want to change that about you. And, you know... I know that there's a person out there that doesn't want to change me and that will love me for who I am and someone that I don't have to compete for and always try to impress because they will be impressed by me. They are impressed by me. And that's like where a lot of my confidence and insecurity was coming from was being in this one-sided relationship of me always trying to impress him but he was never doing anything to impress me and then you know, coming across people 
a person, meeting people, a person that you don't have to impress and you're like, oh, so this is how it's supposed to be, you know? I feel like I got very off topic, so I'm sorry, but it, it all kind of relates, you know? Like, definitely your relationships, your friendships, those all affect how you vibrate and where your vibe is and where your head's at and stuff. And it really, truly makes such a difference. So back to my main point, um, you know, meditating helps so much. Like it's very difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's very hard, um, especially with an overactive, overthinking brain. It's very hard to sit there and not think, but just kind of putting on healing music and relaxation music and just sitting there and only thinking positive things. And, you know, I have like a manifesting notebook and I just kind of while I'm meditating will think about all the things I want differently in my life or you know things that I don't know I just get like you just call upon like your angels and your spirit guides and like your highest you know, to help you be the highest version of yourself. And I feel like I am the highest version of myself that I've ever been. And I owe that to meditating and my angels and my spirit guides. I really do because they have guided me on this journey and pushed, you know, helped me push people away that weren't good for me and bring people that are good for me and bring in friendships and push away friendships and bring in boys and push away boys and it's crazy when you know you kind of put it all up to the universe and just kind of I don't want to be like not care but not care and just truly fake it until you make it basically and then you will make it and you will be best like I just faked being happy I faked being positive I was like pushing away all these negative thoughts and not letting myself overthink and trying to rewire my brain and I did I did it I don't overthink as much as I used to I don't really let anxiety win I'll just be like not today Satan no mm, yeah I just feel like meditating highly 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 recommended for anyone struggling with anxiety and you know you want to do something about it that's not necessarily medication again thank you for listening thank you for taking the time thank you to people who've watched and reached out to me um it means the world you know knowing that this is getting positive feedback it truly means more than I could ever explain because I'm vibrating so high and I'm healing and I just want to help other people too you know that's what I really hope from all this so if you have anxiety depression post-traumatic stress panic attacks you overthink anything like, I want to be a person that you feel like you can reach out to. It will mean the world to me to help other people because that's all I want to do, you know? Um, yeah, so thanks again for listening. If you like this video, please like, leave a comment, share it with people that you think might 
even like you know benefit and tell your friends have them reach out to me if they need someone to talk to if you feel like you can't help you know that's the biggest thing is finding people that can help you and necessarily sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody you don't know than someone you do know so that's I want to be that person for people um so thank you for watching you guys are my angels I love you all so much and thank you again I hope you have a beautiful week I'll see you next week